Welcome to Consulting Growth Hour with me, Fahim Musa, where I break down key growth concepts so you can build a thriving consulting business. Check out the show notes for presentations and handouts as we go deep into the rabbit hole of consulting. Let's get started. So welcome to the 18th edition of Consulting Growth Hour, five stages of consulting business growth. Let's get going. And as always, there's a Q&A in the end. So please type in your questions as, as and when they come up so I can, I can respond to them at the end. All right. So who is this session for? I want to always start with that and make sure that you, know, you all know that the, this session is typically for business-to-business consultants, consulting business owners that operate in the realm of any organizational service like strategy, management consulting, operations, human resources, change management, even IT. If you're selling consulting services to organizations, then this session is for you. Now, when I talk about business stages of of business growth, business consulting growth, let me just define what I mean. Now, there are various types of business models for a consulting business, as you all may be aware of. The, The traditional consulting firm is one that is a professional services firm where Um, companies, organizations hire you to provide some kind of expertise and actually do the work, right? Like a management consulting firm, for example, would have you come in and, you know, do some analysis or some audit or an assessment and, and, and execute a project with probably training, coaching and whatnot, but you're going in there and you're actually doing the work and you're providing a result or a deliverable in the end. Right? That's the traditional professional services firm. You know, over the years, over the last few years, because of technology, there's, there's a lot of, lots of different business models that have emerged in the consulting world where you know, consulting business owners choose not to scale their business by hiring more people, by adding more people, like in a, in a, a traditional professional services firm, but they scale their business using technology. So they're more like, they're more training and coaching. They have courses, uh, programs, and they scale using, using technology by advertising, you know, you know, having, you know, video courses and training programs of their own. So that falls under consulting too. And though that's a, that's a different type of business model, although it's, uh, it's, it's a super interesting one. But for today's focus, I want to focus on the traditional consulting growth model for professional services firms, for you know traditional consulting firm. Okay, so just wanted to clarify that because there's so much of you know information out there that I wanted to add some context to it because I think context is important whenever there's any business advice. Okay, so. About me, I don't want to go on too much about it because you probably have seen my LinkedIn profile. If you are joining me for the first time, just have a look at my LinkedIn profile to see my background. Just very briefly, I've run, I've run my own management consulting firm here in Toronto for about nine years, nine or 10 years. And over the last couple of years, I've been helping management consulting business owners put together sales and marketing systems 
to grow their business. So if there's any, if you need any information about my background, please go in and uh, you know, check out my LinkedIn profile. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit more about my business, you know, in one of the examples in the, as we move forward. Okay. So before we get into the stages of consulting business growth, I just want to put it out there that there's no rules to business growth as such. There's no template, you know, at least as far as I've observed and come across, there's no linear path, right? So when I talk about five stages of business growth, this is based on my observations, made based on what I've seen over the years in management consulting. I did work in corporate consulting, management consulting, and then I started my own firm. So I've seen it as an employee. I've seen it as, you know, as a business owner as well, looking at various types of consulting firms, coming across various types of businesses in our, in our industry. So these are based on my observations. And, you know, although there is no linear path to business growth, to consulting business growth, or, you know, business growth in general, I've noticed some patterns in our industry, in the consulting industry. So that's what I'm going to be talking about, right? So just wanted to put that out there, right? Okay. So there's a Q&A in the end, as I mentioned, just put your questions in the, in the chat and I'll be taking those questions. Right. So let's start and talk about the five stages of consulting business growth. The first stage, the first stage of consulting business growth, I called it anything goes. This is when a an individual, an expert from the corporate world who's worked in a specific field for several years has specific expertise in, in that field and goes out on their own to start a consulting business. It could be any a number of circumstances why they started a consulting business. They probably got either fed up with the corporate world. They didn't want to you know, be a part of all the unnecessary work that goes on and all the unnecessary office politics, they want more freedom, or they, you know, had an unfortunate incident where they were let go. A lot of people become consultants because of that. But for whatever reason, they find themselves now in the shoes of a consulting business owner, right? And they're most likely solo. And in this phase, as I mentioned, this, this phase, I, I call it anything goes, where, you know, you just take on any project that comes your way that, that kind of fits with any expertise that you've had uh, or that you have, that you've built along the way, right? Uh, most of your business in this phase, in stage one, comes through the power of referrals and word of mouth, right? And it, you know, referrals and word of mouth are a consultant's friend all throughout, right? In professional services, because trust is so important in our business, in professional services, word of mouth goes a long way. And in this phase in particular, that's the only likely source of getting new business. So as a result of that, what happens is consultants in this phase, when they start out, they, just, they end up taking any kind of business because they don't have a focus. Right? They go from project to project or engagement to engagement, doing many different kinds of things for many different types of clients, right? And many different types of schedules, length of project. There's no kind of focus at this stage. They're getting their feet goes wet, if you will. So 
you know, this phase can be good if you've got the right projects coming your way, engagements coming your way, but it has some challenges as well. Now, in every stage, I'm going to be talking about the characteristics of the stage, the challenges, what the focus should be for consultants, what the goal should be for consultants for the next phase and the actions as well, right? So in this phase, there are certain challenges, although the money can be good, right? Initially, you don't have a pipeline. You depend on referrals. Referrals are not a bad thing, but then when once you depend on them, you kind of become an order taker because you don't have a mechanism to attract clients. You go from referral to referral and you know whatever the client wants, whoever you're referred to, you tend to, to you tend to do that work because you know you need to keep the lights on. It's uh, you know cash flow is, is is important at that stage. Another challenge is that you have too many different types of engagements for too many different types of clients. Again, that's a result of getting referrals. You don't have, you don't go out and get business. You don't have a marketing plan. You just take on what comes your way, right? And that's the big challenge. The focus at this phase, in this phase, is like I said, cash flow, right? You want to make sure that you focus on getting enough cash flow because you want to first survive these initial phases. You're starting a business, right? And you're doing the work. Your people, your clients are engaging you for your expertise. And as a result, you are doing the work. You're actually involved in projects. And this goes on for a long time. At some, at, at some level throughout your consulting career, you will be involved in some kind of project engagement related work. And that's the nature of consulting. In this phase, stage one, the anything goes phase, you are heavily involved, possibly 100% without you know, outsourcing, without you know, getting an associate, you're doing the projects, right? That's what uh, your focus is. And you want to focus on cash flow and make sure that you survive this phase and move forward. But here's the thing, like in order to kind of grow that business, you have to get out of that, that cycle of doing the engagement, fulfilling all the engagements, and then looking for another client, right? In, the, in this phase, you have two functions that you're carrying out in your business. You're doing sales because once you get a referral, you're having a conversation with, with, the, with the prospect. So you're doing sales and you're fulfilling the project. You have two functions and that becomes a cycle, right? You complete a project and you look for another client. Sometimes there's a gap in, in your income couple of months here and there because you don't have another client. It doesn't, doesn't work out perfectly, right? So that's the cycle that can get really frustrating because, because you're doing fulfillment, you don't have the time or the luxury to kind of put together a marketing system. And also you don't have a focus. You don't know where to focus, right? So without a focus, you can't put together a, a marketing plan. So in order to get out of this phase, what you should be thinking about if you're in this phase, what you should be thinking about is you need to pick an area to specialize in because you need repeatability in your business. In phase one, in this stage one, you don't have repeatability. You're doing many different types of engagements for many different types of clients. And that can you know, really stretch you thin and you know, can become burdensome because you're doing all the work and, and every type of client is different, right? You gotta like, build new frameworks for each type of client new models. You've got to learn the industry if you know, you're going from industry to industry, right? If you're not vertically focused. So this phase can be, can be hard, right? So what you've got to be thinking about is 
pick an area to specialize in how you know how to grow beyond this phase because if you have one area to specialize in then you can put a marketing plan together and, and you have you know have a focus and then execute that marketing plan if you have five different types of clients that you serve and you have you you offer five different types of services you know as a small consulting business owner it's really going to be really hard to put together a marketing plan to market all five services and functions and you know types of clients right you can't have a marketing plan if you don't have a focus on you know what you what it is you you do who you who you serve and you know the value proposition that you bring to the market right so in order to kind of specialize think of a specialty what you the actions that you need to be taking at this phase are to analyze where you get the best results for clients right you've been doing several different types of projects so where do you get the best results for clients which market needs are growing in your you know in the world today and in your in, in your industry and and what you enjoy doing right those are the the some of the some of the criteria that you need to consider when you pick a specialty and the most important one being is that you need to be able to get fa fabulous results for your clients in that specialty otherwise you know you're not going to grow your business because you once you, if your clients don't get results then you don't have a business right so I'm going to give you an example of at each each stage I'm going to give you an example of either a type of client that I've worked with or a business so that you get some more you know understanding of, of what those stages look like but before I give you that example just type in the chat if any of you are in this phase right now if you if you resonate with uh, with what I just said just type in the chat so I know you know if you folks are in in certain phases so an example of this phase you know, I recently worked with a management consultant who came to me and he said that he's doing five different things for five different types of clients. And he was, you know, he had an operations background, he had a finance background as well. So, you know, some clients used to pull him in for um, fractional COO, the chief operating officer type of roles, you know, operations work. Some clients used to pull him in for fractional CFO, chief financial officer kind of consulting roles, right? And depending on his rapport with those clients, they would bring him in and have him do other kinds of work, project management type of work, right? So, and then, you know, what was making that a lot, a lot more harder is that he got, he used to get referrals from businesses across industries. One day he would be servicing a you know manufacturing company the, the next day he would be servicing or you know working with a technology company and it became different because the front end work to understand those industries and to put together frameworks and so on you know were different and that became tiresome right and that, that's the phase that I, I i talked about just now it uh, it can get really hard and you get into that cycle of fulfillment and then finding a next client and fulfillment and finding a next client. And because you don't have a marketing plan, because you don't have potential prospects coming into your business, you tend to take on any, any work that you can get, right? And this can be, you know, pretty lucrative as well. Like, you know, you can get up to low six figures, $200,000, $300,000, just doing this for the various types of clients, right? Because they can give you month on month work. It can get lucrative, but it gets very tiring, 
right? So that's the that's an example of someone, a consultant in this phase. And, and this consultant came to me to figure out, you know, how do you build repeatability in, in his business? How do you get to a stage where you're not doing all the work and it, it's not so burdensome right up front where you're creating different frameworks and different models and so on for different types of, of clients, right? So if, if there's anybody that resonates with, with this stage, just type it in the chat. So let's go to stage two. So stage one is anything goes, right? You're solo, you depend on referrals and you do whatever comes your way because your focus is cash flow. Stage two, now I've never seen, you know, in all the literature and content about consulting, I've never seen anybody talk about this phase, right? They talk a lot about being a specialist, they talk a lot about, you know, the nature of consulting where it's stage one, where you're doing everything. But stage two is the transition phase. It's between the, between the anything goes phase and the phase where you pick a specialization, right? There's a phase in between and it's, it's, it's that transition phase. And this stage is what I call the consultant's search for meaning, where you are transitioning. You're trying to understand your business. You're transitioning from being an anything goes consultant to a specialist. But, you know, the, the key of in this phase is that it's, it gets a little harder than the first phase because you can't, you know, simply pick a specialty, right? You've got to continue doing your the work that comes your way because you've got to keep the cash flow going and you've got to test out a new specialty, put together a new solution, a new offering in an area of specialization and validate that. When I say validate that, it means figure out whether that works in the marketplace, whether there are takers for it, whether that's going to grow really fast. Okay. Now I'm going to give you an example of this. So just don't mind me if, if you find that this is too much of too much of theory i'll give you an example but you know the characteristics of this phase is you're taking on different types of clients like in phase one but you're also trying to test a new solution which is based on a specialty okay your challenge is again is the again you're still doing too many types of engagements you're not out of the woods yet you're still doing a lot of engagements you're still you know taking on work to keep the lights on and to survive as a business owner, your focus, however, should be on not just fulfilling the work that you have currently, but also to validate, to prove that new business model or the new specialty specialty area that you choose, right? The goal, so I'll give you an example here, right? And then I'll talk about the goal. So that same consultant that I talked about in phase one, where he's doing five different types of things with five different types of clients, Right. So we tested out, we, we, you know, analyzed his business and we realized, okay, he's really good at this one thing. Right. And he's really good at this one industry. So let's just, for example, I don't want to, you know, get into too much detail, but let's say, you know, we found that he's really good at financial modeling and finance, and he's really good at, you know, manufacturing businesses. So in order to put together an offering, we put together an offering, a specialized offering, offering, you know, fractional CFO services, fractional financial, chief financial officer services for the manufacturing sector, right? And that was, that had, 
it was it was a it was a, a solution it wasn't just a service when i say it was a solution we meant we, we put put it together in a way that it had a focus a problem that he was trying to solve manufacturing companies had certain challenges so that solution had a lot of that particular solution had a lot of ideas to help manufacturing businesses get to their desired outcome and it had an outcome right it had a finite period a 12 month engagement and it had a specific outcome right so so that is an example of a specialized solution there are many different ways to slice and dice and and, and come up with a specialized solution but the key the point i was trying to make is that you know in this phase even though you've come up with a specialized solution it doesn't mean that it's going to work right so you've got to go out and test it test it in the marketplace meet new buyers and see if it works so your goal is to create more awareness about that solution right have that solution uh, uh, be validated by the market maybe sell one or one or two packages of that solution have conversations with new prospects constantly and push that solution all the while you're still doing the work that you'd used to do in phase one because that brings in the money, right? Bringing in the money and validating a new solution. So this phase is, is particularly hard because you're trying a new, you're not just, you're not just you know, fulfilling work that comes your way, but you're also trying a new service out in the marketplace, okay? So that, that's an example of that. Just type in the chat, anybody, anyone resonates with this, with this phase? So Charina says I'm stage two. I see some comments and questions, which I'll take a little later. Yeah. So just uh, let me know if this resonates. Okay. Right. So let's get to stage three. Okay. Stage three, as I said, is specialization. I call this the hunker down stage. This is the stage where you have validated that solution, right? It may take two or three goes. It doesn't happen you know, on the first go where you put out a solution to the marketplace and people take it and it grows really fast. And, you know, that's the, that's your answer. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes you just have to take feedback from the market and go back to the drawing board, put together another solution, and then go try and validate that. But once you've validated that solution, once you've got a few sales, two or three sales and you know, people want more of that. You've, you've created more awareness about your, your, your business, about that solution. And people are talking about it. You get more referrals in that, for that solution. That's when you realize, and then that, of course, then of course, like, you know, money comes in, right? You've, you've sold that solution and people are paying you money to, to solve a problem that that solution focuses on. That's when you know that, look, you've, you've got something now that you can kind of hunker down and go really hard at, right? So this, in this phase, the, you know, you've got that one primary solution to a market problem and you can focus on that solution, right? You can still do peripheral work that comes your way if you need to, to kind of keep that light, keep the lights on. But now your focus is, is on the solution because you know now it's validated, the market wants it, right? The challenges in this phase, right? It's marketing and distribution, right? So when I say marketing, it's you know spe specifically distribution and promotion. That that's that's what I what I meant. Here you need to put together a marketing plan because now you have a focus, 
right? You have that one solution that works. You know who the ideal client is for that solution. You have an offering. You, you've put together the right messaging for that solution. And you need to go and distribute the hell out of it. Build a referral engine. Create more thought leadership. Create more content. Create more demand, right? And possibly even kind of, you know, bring in an associate if required to execute the work while you're out marketing. Right. So that's that. That's the phase where your your the way you do business is changing and how and, and the activities that you as a business owner participate in also changes. Because now your your focus is more on getting out there and distributing that that you know, that's that service that you know works and you know the market needs. Right. So here's when you make that shift. You might have heard this phrase work more on the business and less in the business. So here's where you kind of start making that shift where you're working on marketing and sales. Of course, you'll be involved in delivering that solution as well and in, in, in delivering and in fulfilling that solution as well because you're the expert, but you need to kind of, you know, be work on the business as well, which means that you've got to work on marketing and distribution and, and you know, that part of the business and, and more and more into sales, right? So the goal is to create more demand. And the way you do that is through creating a referral engine and a, a really robust thought leadership slash content plan where you've got to use various different channels. You've got to go out in the market, do speaking engagements online or offline, create content, create you know, various types of events and so on where you invite potential buyers, prospects, et cetera, and you create that community and you build awareness of what you do, right? That's the, that's the focus in, in this phase. And in terms of actions, you got to learn new marketing approaches, right? Maybe hire some partners that you can, that have a large network and have them go out and get new business. Like this is a typical thing that consulting firms do. Once they have something that they know works, they'll hire more partners. They'll give them, you know, a, a piece of, a piece of the profits, or they'll give them a finder's fee and they'll say, okay, go and go out and bring more clients in this field, right? So if you look at like professional services firms, that's the, the partnership model, and that's how that works, right? So that's the, that's the dynamic at play over here. Now, here's the interesting thing about this phase. You see, specializing and having one solution, understanding who your ideal client is, understanding what the offering is, understanding the messaging, the, this is hardcore marketing work, right? Those business owners that have marketing savvy, that understand how marketing works, that understand how to sell a product in the marketplace will start at this phase. They may not necessarily go through stage one and stage two because, you know, they know how marketing works and they know what their specialty is. They've probably, you know, done this in the past in their business. They've maybe they've validated it while they're, you know, worked in the, in the corporate world and they simply move into this phase. I know, you know, consultants who've moved in to this phase immediately and they've avoided those first two phases, right? Sometimes the first two phases are important. I mean, you, you, you simply have to do it because that's your situation. But if you have marketing savvy, if you've got the knowledge or you've got a mentor by your side, or you've got, you know, the, a partner who knows marketing or somebody you, you, who, who's close to you, who can, you know, guide you with marketing and sales, then you can enter the industry and start your business in this phase, in the specialization phase. It's much faster. An example of this, you know, a company that, that you know, I can talk about 
who was that was in this phase is my own company, Springboarders. Springboarders uh, is a was a strategic planning and business planning company that I founded in Toronto. I mentioned to you that I ran a management consulting firm. That's the one I'm talking about, Springboarders. I did this for about ten years in uh, you know in the in the space of you know academic in the space of space, space of academia. So I helped companies that was started by researchers and scientists within academic institutions. I helped those companies build their business plan and launch their businesses. That was my specialty. When I started my business, I did like all kinds of things. I, I did you know anything that the client that my various clients wanted. But I lucked out and I got you know a very good client in in the academic space. And as soon, very soon I realized that you know there's this is an underserved market. Not many consultants we're looking at this market and i we quickly grew in this in this market and we did very little of the other work of the other you know initial initial work that we started off with so what 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 i did in this in this phase was i did a lot of speaking engagements in, in within that community i did it i had a lot i had a big referral network within that community and i created an offering i had one offering right it had two phases in that off in that offer where the first phase was do a strategic business assessment it took about 30 to 60 days and the second phase was you know creating that business plan and the launch plan right but then it was just one solution that i had and i'd sold nothing else and it served me really well and it had repeatability i didn't have to go and create new frameworks i didn't have to go and create new models i knew the customer inside out i knew what their pain points were i knew what my marketing messages were and it was a great place to be, but it took some time to get there, right? But if you want to grow, you want to be in a place where you have repeatability in your business. You want to be in, your pl in a place where you can build a marketing plan. And to do that, you need to have a focus. You can't build a marketing plan if you're doing five different things with five different people, five different types of clients. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So anybody in the specialist phase, Anybody, does this resonate with anybody? So just let me know in the chat. A lot of people in stage two. All right. You know, it's really funny because I'm looking at the chat and a lot of the chats have my name on it, even though I haven't sent those, sent those messages. I don't know, I don't know if, you, if you're noticing that, but it's, it's weird. I've never seen that before on Zoom. Okay, so we did stage three. Now let's move to stage four. Okay, now stage four is the phase that I call be fruitful and multiply. Okay, this is a stage where you can try different variations around that specialty. You know, you can have training, you can have work various workshops, you can have advisory, you can have coaching, and then you can have consulting as well. Right? You're still in that, you know, you're, you're still in that zone of being a specialist, but you're adding various types of offerings for different types of different use cases, if you will, right? Remember in, in stage three, I talked about just having that one offering, that main offering, but in stage four, you're trying to grow, but you're growing within that space, right? You're growing revenue, you're putting together new, and you're, you're experimenting with new offerings. You have maybe some low ticket offerings along with your high ticket offerings, or you have a low ticket offering that leads to a high ticket offering and so on. So this is, as I said, the stage four, I call it the be fruitful and multiply because now, you know, you got to 
find a way to grow. Uh, typically, professional services firms that are operate in a local area, right? They would go and find clients in that local area, right? Or, you know, possibly, you know, in the province or in the state, but not very far because traditionally consulting is a very face-to-face -face business where you go in and you kind of spend a lot of time in, in, in front of your client. But now things have changed, right? Like uh, people are open to remote consulting. Even the big, even the big guns are open to, to remote consulting. So here, you know, you can operate virtually. You can do a remote consulting. And so you can go beyond your local market and, and, and you know, multiply your offerings within that specialty. I'm saying that, you know, you got to be still in that specialty because remember, you have a marketing plan and you have a position in the market that you, that you kind of, you know, talk about, right? You're known for something in the, in the market. So you don't want to keep straying too much from that position, although you can have different types of solutions. A lot of consulting firms, this is really interesting. A lot of consulting firms, they start off and they have multiple solutions, right? They don't go through that phase one, phase two, and phase three, right? Even though they're a specialist, they, they, think, they think they're a specialist, they have multiple solutions. They start off with multiple solutions. I mean, that is really hard because you don't know what works and you spend a lot of time on creating these solutions and they don't sell, right? The way to create new solutions is to create them step-by-step step and validate them like individually and then see what works. You don't want to create like five or six different types of solutions. Just put them out there on your website, hedge your bets, and then try and market all of them at once, spend a lot of time creating them, spend a lot of time marketing them, and then just get burnt out. And this is so common in the consulting world because people try to tend to hedge their bets. They feel that they have, if they have too many solutions, then you know something, something's going to give, and they'll get a few bites. But uh, oftentimes that doesn't happen because it takes a considerable marketing effort to to sell anything, right? And you have six or seven different solutions. You know, how are you going to focus? Where are you going to focus? What are you going to focus on? What type of offerings? What types of types of clients, right? So that's a, a big kind of misstep that I see small consulting firms make, right? So focus on one solution that you validated, one big solution that is profitable, that you validated, and you can sell and you can get repeat business with. And then you kind of, you know, add on and experiment with, with smaller solutions and other things that you can kind of, that can add a little bit more scale to your business, right? So the characteristics of this phase is that you're going to be growing revenue slowly when you add more, you know, offerings one by one, you will see a dip in your profits because this is the stage when hiring increases, you're hiring more people, right? You've got demand, you already created demand, you know, there is demand. So you have the confidence to hire more people, you might see a dip in your profits, but that's okay because you also have a plan to grow revenue with these, with these new offerings and you know a better marketing plan, right? So your hiring increases not just to, you know, you're not just hiring people to fulfill the orders, fulfill your engagements. You're also hiring different specialists, like you know marketing agencies, for example, or you maybe you're you're you're, you're uh, pouring money into, into advertising, for example, right? That also is a, is a way to kind of build awareness for your business. So your focus here is to bring in professionals to manage the business because now the business is growing, right? Maybe you get in like a fractional COO to put in systems, 
and you know standard operating procedures for example at the same time as a business owner you want to be you know out there building thought leadership creating the more and more demand you know spending more time on on attracting the right clients and you know creating more profitable offerings and growing the business more right bringing in more partners thinking like you know putting on the ceo hat bringing in more partners for your business who will then you know use their network and bring in more more clients right remember the partnership model that i talked about that's 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 very very common right so maybe what you do is a combination of these as a consulting business owner because you have a product that's selling you have a a marketing plan and uh, you know you have these other offerings that you put that you, that you put together as well now you've got to go and you know again market the hell out of these things because you need it right because your your expenses have increased now and you've got to add more revenue so that's that delicate balance here i mean every every stage of business is a delicate balance they've got it's got different challenges right so the actions that you want to take here to rationalize your solutions well what i mean by that is like don't go too crazy and add you know 10 different solutions just make sure that you are not straying too away from your core specialization okay and make sure that you have a handful of good solutions that you can test, validate, and then sell, right? And of course, the actions that I mentioned earlier are create more demand and create, you know, bring in more people if you if if necessary to to get more clients. Like those people could be in in the form of partners of the business. It also could, could be in terms of you know salespeople that you can you know bring in to, to kind of go and get more clients, right? An example of someone who, a firm that I really admire, and this is, they've, they've just blown up over the last two years, right? I first started, you know, listening to this CEO at the beginning of the pandemic and they've grown like $20 million. They've, not, they've, they've, they've created a $20 million firm in about two and a half years. The firm's called Refine Labs. I don't even know if it's a partnership firm or they're incorporated, but they're called Refine Labs. And if you're on LinkedIn, check out this, check out the CEO of Refine Labs, Chris Walker. Anybody heard of him? You gotta, you gotta like, if you're interested in marketing, if you're interested in seeing how, you know, he's growing his professional services firm, you've got to follow Chris Walker, Chris, Chris Walker of Refine Labs. And, you know, at this now he, he's in the stage, like he's, when he started out, he was a specialist in the business software as a service, mid-market companies. And he was, you know, his functional expertise was marketing, right? And he had a, he had the right narrative. He was in the right place at the right time. And he had the right expertise and, you know, his firm just blew up. I mean, this happens rarely, right? But it's a, it's a fabulous example of, of growth. And now Refine Labs is in the phase where they're in this phase two where they, you know, the, 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 the be fruitful and multiply phase where they're still retaining their, their positioning and their special specialization, but they've added various services. They've added advisory, they've added, you know, they've opened up, they've created new, new intellectual property that they're, they, you know, they're selling on a monthly subscription and so on. So they've added a lot of different growth, but they're still maintaining their specialization, right? They're still known for, the, you know, the leaders in marketing in B2B mid-market SaaS. And they've got their own narrative and their story. I don't want to get into the details, 
but they've got a fabulous narrative and a story and they just keep pounding that to the market and, and growing their business, right? So check, check Refine Labs out. All right, anybody in stage four? You know, I, my, I myself, right? I myself and my consulting business, I didn't reach stage four. I sold the business in stage three itself for many different reasons. And I, I talked about this, this in one of my other events, but I don't want to get into it right now. But my business was a stage three business, right? And stage four is, you know, a great example is, is Refine Labs. Anybody in stage four? All right. Now let's do the final phase, stage five, which I call omnipresence. Now, stage five is when you move away from your supposed specialization and you have a broader offering, right? But then you have practice areas. Now, for this example, I'm going to point to the big guns, like the big five consulting firms. Like, like I'm sure there are many other firms in the mid-market phase that are also stage five, but I'll, I'll give you the examples of the more famous consulting firms, right? The McKinsey, right? I'm sure most of you have heard of, heard of McKinsey, a Boston Consulting Group, Bain & Co. These are all like, you know, 10 plus billion dollar um, annual revenue firms, right? And they're obviously not, I mean, they're not specialized in one core area. They specialize in consulting, right? But they're not specialized in any core area of consulting. They've got a broader positioning where they say, we help, we help you grow your business. Most of these big management consulting firms, you know, have that broad positioning of let's grow your business. We want to help you grow your business. But then when you look at, when you study them closely, look at, you'll, you'll see that they're divided in practice, into practice areas. They're divided into practice areas and capabilities, right? So every kind of business practice area that you can imagine, like go to McKinsey's website or go to Boston Consulting Group's website, you'll see their practice areas from strategy to sales, to sales management, to change management, to human resources, to, you know, operations, everything. I mean, you've got any practice area in business, they're there and they mostly serve these larger corporations. And they've also, you know, divided themselves into industry groups, right? So oil and gas, every, every, in every industry group or sector has a specialist team in these larger firms, right? Because, you know, in, in business to business sales, it's very peculiar, not peculiar, but it's, it, it, it does make sense, actually. In business to business sales, your buyer is going to ask you, have you done this before? What is, your, what is your pedigree? What is your expertise? Have you worked in my industry before? Have you worked in strategy before? Have you worked in operations before? If you haven't, then you're not a specialist, right? People hire specialists. So even these larger firms in stage five, where they're now omnipresent global companies, are divided into practice areas and capabilities so that when they have a specific client, they can put together that specific team that's relevant to that client. Okay. So that's the, that, those, that's the characteristics of, of, of stage five. And of course, you know, challenges could be, I, the way I see it is a structure, right? How do you structure the company in terms of people fulfillment, how do, you, how do you fulfill projects and get results? Or how do you operate a global company? Hierarchies, what, is it a matrix type of organization? Is it top down? And of course, from a, from a strategic perspective, the challenges are maintaining that edge and competitive advantage. It's not always easy just because you're a larger firm, a consulting firm that you'll always maintain your edge and competitive advantage. There's a firm called Monitor Group that you know, faltered 
right? They were a management consulting firm that they had, and they had a few, they made, took a, made a few missteps and that was the end of their, of that company. So maintaining that edge and the competitive advantage, right? Becomes far more important in this phase. The focus of these firms are people development, you know, hiring, training, that whole entire cycle of people and creating more thought leadership to build more differentiation and attract more and more clients, right? The actions, of course, that these firms are taking is, you know, global expansion and, you know, building more capabilities in newer and newer areas as business, as the business world changes rapidly, right? So an example of this firm is McKinsey, right? McKinsey, if you look at the history of this consulting firm, it's really interesting. James McKinsey, the founder of the firm in the 1920s or 30s, right? His, he started off by doing planning and budgeting, right? And, and, and this individual was already a specialist, right? He had already written four books prior to becoming a consultant on finance and accounting and, 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 and budgeting and so on. And he was known in that industry, but he, he became very interested in how companies work and he used his financial knowledge to analyze companies. And that became the start of McKinsey. You know, I think initially it was called McKinsey Management Engineers. It was not even called consulting. So management engineers, because, you know, and, um, everything was science-based back then. It was a, you're more uh, attuned to science. So uh, that was the start of that firm where they started off with planning and budgeting and then, you know, kind of moved on from there. And, you know, another point here I want to make is that, you know, thought leadership, being an expert, being known in the market for something is so important in our industry. That's why I push a lot of my clients and a lot of consultants to start creating meaningful content. You've got a lot of knowledge in your heads. You guys are experts, right? So start creating content, thought leadership that will put your name out there and get you more marquee clients and have, have clients coming to you as opposed to you chasing them. You don't want to be in a position to chase clients, especially as a, as a consulting professional, right? Because you're, you're seen as an advisor and advisors chasing clients to advise them. That doesn't, that doesn't sound right. And it's just, it, it, it's just not the right way to, to grow your business. You want to grow your business based on expertise that people know you have and they want, they desire to work with you. That's the kind of position you want to be in, right? And I just told, told you about the founder of McKinsey. He was already an author for books, right? And that's, he already had a reputation. And in our business, more than any other business, your reputation precedes you, right? In professional services. And, you know, with that reputation, you get better clients. You get, you know, clients that are invested in, you know, doing the work and performing the work and taking your advice and getting more results. And the more results you get, you get even more, even better clients, right? So McKinsey was, had some really famous clients. One of the clients was the president of the United States, or was, I think it was the, the federal government. And McKinsey famously, did an engagement for that, for the federal government or for the, for the president, I don't know which one, that, where, they, where they recommended that the White House have start a new position called the chief of staff, right? And that White House chief of staff obviously is, is a position that is still in place today, right? So that was, yeah, I think, I think the, the client was President Eisenhower. And that's when McKinsey went in and, 
and, and suggested that, you know, based on whatever analysis that they've started a new position called the chief of staff and it's still there today. Like, so that kind of, you know, built engagements like that, build your brand, right? And people will hear about you, people talk about you and they want to work with you, right? That's why, you know, building your reputation as a consultant is important. And the first place to do that, to build your reputation is get great results for clients because word of mouth is super powerful in our industry. Number two, build thought leadership. Write about your industry experiences, help people in the industry, become a teacher, become a voice in the industry so that people know you and that voice gets distributed and then people like, you know, are, are, are attracted to you. So that ends my presentation on the five stages. Give me some feedback. Was this, was this interesting? Is it, did you learn anything? I, I want to, I want to understand. So just give me some feedback, type in the chat and let me know. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to look at some questions that you've posted in the chat. Okay. So Parikshit from Nairobi, thanks for joining. Mike Ryan. Mike Ryan, I, I, aren't you the inventory iceberg killer? I see you on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining. Wilson Simon, Crescom. Crescom Leadership. Yeah, one of my clients was Crescom, big leadership company that has, you know, licenses and franchise. Yeah, that's, I've heard, definitely heard of Crescom. Um, Scott with Breakfast Culture, DEI. Yeah, DEI is, is big these days. I have a client in DEI as well, leadership in DEI. So thanks for joining, Scott. Rosanna from Croatia. Nice of you to come. Ryan Halloran, thank you again. You've been, you've been coming for a few of my a few of these sessions. Ahmed, good to see you. David Silverman, of course, all the way from South Africa. Okay, so Matthew, I think, asked a question. Please send a link to the session. Okay, he couldn't make it. Yeah, I'll send you a replay. Charina says phase two. So there's somebody who, who asked, what should be the pricing structure in phase two when you're testing new solutions? The pricing structure should be based on value. I mean, if, you've, if you're offering something that is valuable, then it should be based on value. So you don't have to necessarily price it low. Although, you know, if it's something that you feel that you can offer, you know, you could probably offer a shorter service, like a, a 30 day or 60 day service, and you want to kind of price it, you know, to kind of get your foot in the door. I'm not averse to that, right? But at the, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you eventually land where you price it based on value. Like even the business that I'm doing right now, where I'm helping management consultants, I started off with a, a mid-tier price. And now I've gone to a high-tier price, right? Once I've got much more better results and so on. So you don't necessarily have to do that, but it's, it's okay in order in that initial phase where you're trying to test the market and you want to get your foot in the door and get some quick results. So that's my opinion on that. So Scott says your phase, your firm is in phase two. There are other responses here, but it all, but, but you know, it says it, it makes it seem like I've sent the chat. It says Fahim Musa sent the chat. I don't know why that is. So I don't know who's making these comments, but it says a lot of phase twos, a lot of phase twos, because you're making that transition, right? And it's a tough phase. Okay. John says food for thought. Thank you. Sharina, good feedback. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the feedback. And if you're interested, just I, I've added the link to the 
to subscribe to these sessions. Every two weeks, I do a session on, on a different topic already related to consulting growth. So just, I'd be honored if you could join the list so that I'll just send you the, the, uh, the meeting details. Every time there's a session, you don't have to re register for register for individual sessions. All right. I'm happy with the feed, with the feedback. Any questions? Do you have any questions? Oh, we got a couple of minutes left. So Charina says, should you give value adds a way to build trial and awareness? Charina, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by value adds a way to build trial and awareness? So let me just take another question. So Charina says, do consulting for free or a very good price? Yeah, like I said, if you, I'm not, I'm not a fan of doing free consulting, but if you feel that this is a, this is a, a long-term opportunity, like everything depends, right? Like there's no right or wrong answer. There's no linear path to consulting growth, as I mentioned earlier, but it depends. Like if this was, let's, let's say President Eisenhower, like during uh, McKinsey's time, if the president of the United States or a very, very big company where you have, where you know, you have great potential, they want to hire you for something and you want to, you know, get your foot in the door and you know, you, go, you could be, be, be able to build relationships. Then I would, you know, to build that relationship, I would go in at a mid-tier price or something like that, or even do a pro bono. If it's a big nonprofit, for example, I'll do pro bono, right? So I'm not, I'm not averse to that. I mean, as business owners, I know that there are diff different paths to growth. And if the situation calls for it, then I would, you know, change my pricing strategy, but not always, right? Not always. It's something that I would look at from on a case-to-case -case basis, but you decide if, if that situation calls for something, then, then, you know, it's on you to be creative and get the business and grow your business. All right. Right. Thank you so much, folks. This is great feedback. Very encouraging. As I mentioned, I'm going to drop my, I'm going to drop my link so you can subscribe to the mailing list so that you can just be automatically notified of the, these sessions. There you go. There's the link. All right, folks. Thank you so much. And I will see you the next time around. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening right to the end. I appreciate your time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and connect with me and say hi on LinkedIn. For video replays of these sessions, check out our YouTube channel. And most importantly, join us live to get all your questions answered at Consulting Growth Hour Live. All details in the show notes. See you next time.